Welcome, welcome everyone to The Enthusiast Life. I am your host, Mark Turcotte, and I'm so glad each and every one of you have decided to make me a part of your day. Well, my friends, it is September already. That's right, September 1st. 2020. It is Tuesday and we have a couple things here to talk about to kick off this month. And I can't believe it. We're, I mean, can you even believe it's September? Like, I, I think back to when this whole pandemic started, which was what? Uh, kind of the middle of March is really when things started shutting down. I always think my wife's birthday was March 14th. And we celebrated her birthday and my nephew's birthday at the same party, basically, and us all talking then about the NBA shutting down. And then that's just when it all just snowballed. And that following week, everything was shut down, essentially. It's just crazy. And here we are already, September 1st. I mean, what, six months later almost. It's crazy to think that we are here. But we've made it, my friends, in 2020. I can see the end. I can see that light at the end of the tunnel. We're almost there, I promise. We're going to get there. Uh, But hey, before we kick it off here with the show, don't forget you can always follow me on Twitter, at Mark Turk. That's M-A-R-K-T-U-R-C. Or, of course, you can email me theenthuselife at gmail.com. And if you want to do help support the show, you can find that link down in the show notes. You can become a patron here for the episode. Get exclusive access not only to our patron-only Discord, which, by the way, is just awesome. I love getting in there and chatting every day. We we have a bunch of like-minded people in there. We have so much fun talking about not only the stories you hear me talk about here on the show, um, but everything from pop culture. We have so much fun. So if you want to be a part of that, you can find that down in the show notes. And of course, get yourself exclusive early access to our patron-only podcast and even be a guest on that show yourself. So uh, you can find that down in the show notes. But let's kick it off today with actually what I'm going to be doing a little bit later tonight. I'm actually recording the show on Monday night um, before I've even done this. So if you, uh, I know you guys have heard me talking about wrestling here the past couple nights, uh, but tonight in just a couple hours here, we're going to be, uh, my family taking part in the WWE Thunderdome. We actually have signed up and we, all four of us are going to be taking part in it. Um, so we're going to appear somewhere within Monday Night Raw tonight. I don't know where in the crowd we're going to be. We're going to be virtual fans. Um, our call time is 10 o'clock. So we actually log in to this link that they gave us at 10 o'clock, and then I'm assuming probably from maybe 10, 10, 10, 15 until the end of the show at 11, there's a chance that we will be somewhere on the screen as virtual fans. So I'll keep you posted on Wednesday. We'll, we'll get in. I'll tell you kind of how the whole the whole experience went. Uh, but if you want to maybe watch that final hour of Raw, if you got a chance uh, later today and have access to it, go back, check it out. You may find us in the crowd. I'm debating. I'm debating on if it's just going to be me and my camera or – is it going to be me and then potentially at some point putting on the Stormtrooper helmet? I think I'm going to do it. My son is really concerned if I do that. He doesn't want me to get kicked off. He's like, if you do that, Dad, they're going to kick you off. Because there's all kinds of rules. you got to go in there. can't have no any profanity. They don't want you showing, obviously, any political signs, anything like that. It does say they do prefer like wrestling attire. But your attire must be kept on the whole time. So you can't go in without your shirt on. But... They want you from the waist up, so I guess they wouldn't know if you didn't have pants on, right? I guess maybe <laughs> maybe that's the one way someone could get around it is actually don't put your pants on. But um, I'll let you know how it goes. But hey, for right now, without you knowing whether I've been on it, go check out Monday Night Raw if you can that final hour. Maybe you'll find us in the crowd. But uh, I want to kick things off tonight with, uh, or today I should say, with something that I didn't actually talk about uh, on yesterday's show uh, that broke last weekend. I mean, obviously, today here on September 1st, early access is available for Marvel's Avengers. So um, not only are we going to talking talking about the Thunderdome, but also uh, my initial kind of foray into the uh, full release 
of Marvel's Avengers. So if you did buy that deluxe digital deluxe edition, you can get in now. Um, and I've been seeing a lot of people over on Twitter and kind of all these posts saying, hey, you know what? Marvel Avengers, that, that story, that campaign, it's pretty good. Yeah. Where have you people been? Like, I think everybody, you know, was completely missing the fact the beta that we were playing was the multiplayer beta. It wasn't just the game, people. There is a whole story built into this with voice acting and cutscenes and all of that. And I love now suddenly seeing all these people saying, wow, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. Why? So why? Where were you people two weeks ago when we knew that this was probably going to be something that this game was going to deliver? It's like they're surprised it's even there. Reviews obviously aren't out yet. I haven't played it myself, but I just thought it was kind of funny to see that. But the hate train did come out this past weekend, and that was uh, from a blog post that uh, Crystal Dynamics put out talking about these battle passes. So each character that they put out, and especially the first six that you get, have a the regular battle pass and then a premium battle pass tied to them. Now, the premium battle pass gives you of course, different skins, finishers, um, even emotes, things like that even gives you, I think, even credits for in the game. But then on top of that, every character that comes out after the game is going to be free. However, they're also going to have a $10 premium challenge pass is what they call or challenge card is what they call them. $10 challenge card tier. Everybody lost their mind saying, oh my God, this is what they're doing. It's just a cash grab. It's 10 bucks per character. We know there's going to be about 17 download DLC characters. Oh, it's $170. This is ridiculous. But what everybody's missing is this idea that just by completing one battle pass, everybody thought it was only going to be a thousand credits you were going to get, which is $10. No. Today, people playing early access right now because of course it became available in New Zealand first. Some of those cards of those original six characters can give you up to 1,300 premium credits. So in the end, I think you can get, they're saying right now, about 7,800 credits by completing all the challenge cards for the characters that come in the box. Or, you know, I say in the box, you know what I mean, in the download. So essentially, you don't need to spend the money. If you want to spend the money and make that track just easy for you, if you're somebody who doesn't complete all the challenge cards and you want to suddenly have a premium challenge card for a character that comes out and you don't feel like earning the credits by playing on the other characters, then you can spend the 10 bucks. But if you're somebody that's just playing the game, you're going to get it. And I, I don't understand why people need to find something to hate on. Like for me, looking at it that way, that's a pretty damn fair challenge card slash battle pass format. When you look at something like, I'm trying to think like, um, let's say Fortnite. Fortnite has a $10 battle pass. Sure, there's a free tier to some of that. And even Modern Warfare does this. But to get access to those premium things, you have to spend the money to get that premium track of the pass. You don't just get it. Where here, Crystal Dynamics is saying, if you just play our game, you're going to be able to buy those challenge cards. And I think that's a fair way of doing it. If you want to take the, the shorter route and not do that, it's fine. I mean, that's a very mobile game-ish thing. We live in this day and age where mobile games do that all the time. That's how these people make their money. Um, I, I don't really see the problem and look I'm not trying to be a Crystal Dynamics defender because it still very much bothers me that Spider-Man is only going to be available on the PlayStation believe me I'm there right with all those folks but this idea of this challenge card really seems like the most logical most player first type of mentality it really says hey if you don't want to spend a dime you don't have to you just buy our game you're in you can play just play our game finish these challenge cards 
Don't buy any other premium skins because those premium credits you could also use to buy just straight up premium skins that aren't available in the cards. If you waste your currency on those, then of course, yes, you got you to gotta somehow find another way to get that premium currency. If you don't complete another challenge card, yeah, you're going to have to spend money. But if you don't and you don't want to spend money and you just know, hey, I need to always make sure I save myself a thousand premium credits so that when the new character comes out, I get their card, I play through it, and then earn back the thousand credits, because that's the thing, all these cards that come out, you're earning back thousand just from from completing them, then you're gonna be able to buy the next one when it comes out. To me, that is just a perfect solution or situation. It's saying, hey, here is this great way for us to continue to fund our game, because let's face it, in the end, it's a $60 game, and that's it. But yet they're promising this being a game as a service. They need to make their money. They need to sell premium skins. And then they also need to make money off these battle passes to continue to do that. Sure, uh, us as outsiders, we can say, hey, Crystal Dynamics, Square Enix are a huge company. They should be able to fund all this and be able to have no problem. Why do they need our money? Well, in the end, guess what? They do. They just need our money. I mean, that's just the thing. Like, it's it's the way game development works for these games continuing on. Rather than they could go make another game, make the next Tomb Raider. But instead, they're focusing on this, and this is what they're going to do. Like, it just, that's business. That's the way business works. You have to have some sort of income, and this is their way of monetizing the game. I'm perfectly fine with that, because if you don't want to spend that money, and you don't want to help fund any of that, you don't have to. You can just play the game. I mean, any mobile game that's out there, they say like they make the majority of their money from like 1% of their players. That's not the little guy buying the 2 or $3, you know, pack, like the Madden you know, the Madden uh, Ultimate Team Packs. It's not my son spending 2 or $3 on a pack. No, they're getting it from the guys that are literally spending hundreds of dollars on the big, massive bundles. Or if you look at, like, Marvel Strike Force, you know, the, the mobile game, you could go in there and, like, sure, you could buy, like, the little $10 uh, pack that came with a couple different, you know, skins for characters, some tokens to unlock new characters and that. But then there was, like, the $100 launch pack. Those are the people they want, the, the whales, as they call them in those games. That's where they're going to make their money. So they need to have some of that in there so this game can be ongoing and be a live service game. I just don't understand why suddenly you saw when this news broke, countless YouTube videos, countless stories on the internet saying, here is just another example of how this game is completely going after your money and it's garbage. It's a cash grab. I mean, number one, it is a cash grab because I got to make money, right? It is a business. But in the end, it's I, I think this is a very fair way of presenting something like this. I don't know. It's just the, the hate against this game is just crazy. But enough talking about that because I, I don't want to dwell on that. But I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing that people were just missing that whole point and just actually spreading straight up false information about the game. It just was kind of shocking. But, you know, in the same sense, I love today seeing all these people saying how great the story is and how awesome it is and they're having a great time. And I think in the end, that's what people are going to come back to because, you know, whether you want to buy the game now or not, I guarantee you they're going to print so many copies of this game. It's going to be like Battlefront and Battlefront 2 where like come Christmas time, this game is going to be like 30 bucks, 25 bucks Black Friday. It'll probably be $25 if not cheaper because they printed so many box copies of this game. So if you want to hold off and you just want to play the story, wait, wait and play it then and then you'll be good to go. Um, so I, I don't know. It's something that just kind of irks me to see just this, you know, rage culture go crazy on the internet. I mean, this part of the industry, I guess, in video games, it's it's just the internet coming together just in a way that is just mind-boggling to me. And maybe it's old man Mark just <laughs> seeing these kids rage over nothing. It's like, guys, come on, let's take a step back. It's a fun video game. If you're if you're getting this worked up over it, go play Fall Guys and get worked up over losing over to that repeatedly. Like that's where you need to be. Um, but uh, we did get some news today. Potentially, 
and this isn't really straight up news, but it's talking about the PlayStation 5 uh, backwards compatibility. And that's obviously been a big question. We know the Series X is going to allow you to play pretty much everything, uh, but there was really no word per se on the PlayStation 5, but on a Ubisoft posting, uh, kind of just talking about their games and their idea of kind of being able to have cross-gen titles, uh, they essentially said that, um, yeah, only their games on PlayStation 4 will work on PlayStation 5. This was somewhat later pulled down and kind of clarified uh, to basically no longer mention those other systems, um, but still not confirm that you're going to be able to play it. So as of right now, it just basically seems you're going to get your PlayStation 4 games on PlayStation 5, at least from Ubisoft. I would assume every other company would be the same. I mean, I would really hope Sony at least allows the PS4 versions of games if you purchase them there to be able to play them on the PS5. I mean, I don't think any other generation really in the past um, has backwards compatibility really been more important than this one. I mean, sure, you could argue maybe last time we kind of had that with the 360 going to the Xbox One uh, or even, you know, of course, the PS3 to the PS4, but digital game sales were not as big as they are today, especially now where there is an Xbox that is just a straight up digital version with no disc we know the ps5 is going to have two iterations the the disc one and the discless one so like in the end the idea of having a console where, where people have big massive digital libraries i mean that's where i am i stopped buying disc games i think i've talked about this before we were actually talking about it in the discord uh about how i haven't really bought a disc game in a long time and the only disc games that i really have ever bought really this generation were games that i knew was going to be like a one-time playthrough and then I was going to want to um, sell it back like a game that I just knew I probably would never really go back to um, and it really wasn't a game I needed to be playing at midnight because a lot of times that was my thing it's like I want to be able to play the, the game at midnight I don't want to drive down to my GameStop and do the midnight release even though for a time I did enjoy those um, so like the, the, this idea of you know now having this massive PS4 library I would really like to be able to play some of those games on my PS5 um, but, you know, in the end, I mean, that argument always comes up, like, how often do you actually go back and play those games? Like, right now, the one game that comes to mind, like, I am right now playing through Spider-Man, PS4 still. Um, do want to finish that before I play Miles. But another game that comes to mind that I actually never finished is Horizon Zero Dawn. Never finished that first game. Um, so I would like to finish that and the DLC as well before we get um, the sequel on PS5. So that would be a game that I would rather not have to pull out my PS4 Yes, I know, first world problems, but to be able to just fire it up on the PS5 with probably updated graphics running a little bit better, you know, potentially be the PC version of the game, which, hey, even if they don't do that, just let me play the PS4 Pro version of that game on my PS5 uh, would be very nice, I think, if they did that. And, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I would love if they would put, like, games like that out when these sequels are getting ready to come out, put them as a PlayStation Plus game and just give you then access on the PS5. Again, not asking for that, but I think something like that would get more people to buy those sequels if they missed that first version of the game, I think would be um, kind of neat. But uh, let's move on past video games and move on to a show that we talked about a couple weeks ago, or maybe even was about a week ago. We got a poster uh, for The Haunting of Bly Manor. Well, today we did get a teaser for the for the series. It is basically the uh, sequel, and it's not even really a sequel. It's kind of in the same anthology as they're cause, calling it. From the Haunting of Hill House. So this is kind of the season two of the Haunting of Anthology. Um, and if you didn't see the Haunting of Hill House, go out and watch it. It was super creepy. Watch it. We watched it back in 2018. My wife and I loved it. We were talking recently in the Discord about how there is a jump scare. It's like episode maybe six or seven in that show that is 
one of, if not the greatest jump scare in any scary movie I have ever seen. I, I, I mean, I can't even talk talking about it right now. Like it completely throws you for a loop. You're not expecting it at all. It comes out of nowhere and will scare the hell out of you. Um, so the idea that they were making this new show, I think is great. I love the idea they're doing the kind of like what American Horror Story does, where it's same series, essentially. So the haunting of series, if we want to say, they bring back some of the same actors, but they're not playing the same characters. So they're kind of following that model. Um, these books are actually these books, the, um, both shows were based off books, old novels, freaky novels from like the, the early 1900s, which I think is cool that they're bringing that back. This trailer looks super creepy. Anything that has dolls moving, Without people moving them is always terrifying, even if it's just a little slight turn of the head. Or even there's a moment in here where you can tell the kids in like a basement and there's just a pile of dolls. Terrifying. Like if I if I ever walked into a room and saw that, I would just be, I would lose it. I'd probably pass out. <laughs> I couldn't even, like that is just, not that I'm scared of dolls, but a creepy setting like that, that you just come around the corner and see that. Yeah, terrifying because you know every single one of them are looking at you and you know that, you know that they are. Um, but looks great. Looks super cool. Uh, it's coming out October 9th, I believe is going to be the premiere. Yeah. Friday, October 9th. So this will be their perfect, um, Halloween season, scary show. Glad it's still on track to be coming out now. Cause any other time of the year, the show just wouldn't really make sense. We need to have it around that creepy time. And I mean, heck here we are September 1st guys. I mean, we are, this is what five, six weeks away. Actually saw commercials on TV yesterday on the food network, I think, or one of those stations and it was like you know the halloween wars which is where they do the cakes and all that stuff but then there was even one for like most outrageous pumpkins and i'm sitting there thinking like are we a little bit early for that and then i thought no no i, I think we're good like it's it's fall actually somebody in our neighborhood has scarecrows in their front yard like we're here we're here i mean we've made it to the fall so we're <laughs> 2020 man we're almost out of it um, but yeah, back to Blind Manor. Go watch the trailer. I think it looks great. Can't wait for it. I know my wife and I are super, super stoked um, for that show to come out. Uh, one final bit of news here I do want to just quickly hit on here before we wrap it up, and that is the New Mutants box office. Uh, New Mutants is finally out after, what, three, four years after wrapping up its filming. It finally has come out to not that many theaters. It's in uh, 2,412 locations, according to the uh, article I'm reading right now. And it opened to a whopping $7 million. Now you can assume that, um, you know, that is the, uh, the, the peak of its uh, collecting. I think Tenant opened up to 54 million. So a little bit better for Tenant. I mean, obviously a Kristen, Christopher Nolan film is going to open up to more um, New Mutants, unfortunately, didn't really get a lot of buzz, like, advertising-wise, I think. Like, I think had this movie come out when it should have, it probably would have back then. Um, but now, kind of just being lost in not only the COVID mix of everything, you know, just this downswing of everything with, with people not wanting to go to the movies, but also just, you know, I, I don't know. Like, they just didn't really push it out there to let people really even know what the movie was. So, uh, yeah, $7 million, and actually, Matt Clark over in our Discord, he went and saw it. Seems like he liked it. It wasn't anything that he's coming home and, and was raving in the Discord about, but he seemed to like it, said it was good. Um, didn't really give him nightmares at night. So <laughs> I think, he, you know, it's not really a terrifying movie, even though it looked like it was going to be very dark and, and creepy. Um, it is not that. But uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll hopefully hit Disney Plus pretty soon. I mean, I'm very interested what this week as well is when we're going to get Mulan. 
uh, coming out at that premium $30 price tag on Disney+. Plus. So it would be interesting or will be interesting if we ever get numbers for this as to how much money Mulan makes as opposed to New Mutants going to the theater like, you know, would 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 New Mutants have just been better served to do this exact same thing, just market it as a new Marvel movie? Sure, it's not in the MCU, but just push it on the streaming service and have people jump in. Or what if they just did like a double dip, like 30 bucks for both New Mutants and Mulan? Sure, it's different crowds, but there's, you know, something for everyone and what would have been that bundle or even $40 for both, 30 for one or the other, 40 for both. I think you would have had a lot of people kind of jump in on that. Um, maybe that would have been the way for them to go, but... Hey, we'll see how it all pans out. I just I hope we get some of those Mulan numbers. That'll be uh, pretty interesting, I think, to see that. But that's going to do it for me, guys. Hopefully, uh, you guys have a good rest of your day. If you do jump into some Avengers, let me know what you think. Uh, I will be playing, obviously, here today um, with the game coming in early access in these next couple of days. I'm hoping to see, you know, uh, maybe some of you online. Hopefully, if you are playing, let me know your, your PSN ID. I will be playing on PlayStation. But I am definitely going to be focused on getting through that campaign first. I want to see how all that story pans out. Actually, finally finished. I, th- I might have said this a while ago. I finished Immortal Hulk. Um, loved it. I'm all caught up on that series right now. It's still just, man, so good. Blew me away as to how good that series is. Uh, currently reading The Invincible Iron Man from 2008. Uh, I think it's like a four and a half year run with the same writing team, uh, same creative team. Um, and so far, it is good. We have a new stain in the mix. And when I say stain, of course, that's the family of the stains. And uh, they've somehow infused some maybe it's Stark Tech, I don't know, but they kind of have these suicide bombers that go in and just blast themselves in these areas. And uh, it's kind of Tony's tech being used to do some of that. So they're trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, so far, really, really enjoying it. It's kind of neat. You know, this is post-Civil War Tony Stark. Not very far after. I mean, what was Civil War was, what, 05, 06? This is 2008. So this is a very, uh, you know, an Iron Man that is kind of hot off the heels of Civil War in the book. So I uh, actually really really enjoying that series so far so uh don't forget guys you can follow me on twitter at mark turk that's m-a-r-k-m-a-r-k-t-u-r-c and of course you can email me the life at gmail.com i love hearing from you guys uh, so please send me some emails over so until tomorrow everybody have a good rest of your day and until then we'll catch you next time